The nicest thing that's been said to me so far was Pete looking at me and saying I'd lost weight. <laughs> Grossly untrue. I'd like to uh, read some verses that uh, have been uh, important to us for some time now. From Mark chapter 3, thinking about church and uh, what's church supposed to be for? The issues that uh, all of us doing church should be thinking about. This is Jesus appointing the first disciples. And I'm sort of thinking of this disciples as embryonic church. So what was, I'm suggesting that what was important that Jesus was passing to these disciples should surely also be important to us if we're going to build church today. So this is Mark 3 verse 13. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those that he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed... Twelve, designating them apostles, that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, a son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. I mentioned I've recently come back from Sri Lanka. Uh, We spent, uh, three three of us guys went from church. One one of them who came with us was uh, the head of the Sri Lankan family in our church. And we spent a, an amazing time there. We've been building relationships with a, a church that's working in a, in a predominantly tea plantation area, which means that there's a, a dramatic poverty uh, in, amongst, in amongst the tea pickers, and they live in, 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 in areas that uh, there are also many people who are unemployed. They don't even work on the tea plantations. Uh, the, the area is one of amazing beauty, uh, uh, and so the poverty is a stark contrast right alongside it. You can find a beautiful lake very often, and people living in huts that look like our sheds in need of replacement. And we met people who are so poor, so sick, and so needy. And you stand in these places with the pastor and his wife, and you hear their stories, and your heart breaks. We were drawn to this particular church because there is a family connection, but also because they're seeking to do something about it. And for quite a few years, they've been working with, for quite a few years, we've been trying to build a relationship with them for because for many years they have been reaching these communities. It's not unusual for the pastor to row across across the lake in the middle of the night to get to some people who are in need and to spend time with them. Um, And yet these Christians, when they get together in in their 
many of them are Christians, not all of them are, many of them still Hindus. When they get together for worship, it is vital, dynamic, exciting, full of testimonies, and the whole picture is very, very challenging, perhaps you can imagine. The interesting thing why I'm telling you this is that uh, in spending time, we're looking at how we can uh, further develop relationships uh, with them. And uh, we wanted to meet a team from South Korea. Uh, A a team of medics are also going out to this church. There's a general surgeon, a pediatrician, a pharmacist, and a cardiologist who uh, are Christians from South Korea. And they... They go out there regularly, and we spend some time visiting with them. And that, for me, was one of the highlights. These are doctors who don't mind at all praying for people to be healed, and sometimes it happens, and they don't mind at all issuing medication or arranging for them to have surgery either. And they're passionately involved in in wanting people to come to the Lord. So that whole combination of traveling with them was the nearest I have personally got to beginning to feel what it must have been like traveling around with Jesus, meeting poor people, ordinary people, needy people, and, 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 and doing something about their situation. The, the challenging thing from this guy, the pastor of the church, was that when I, when I prodded him, probed him about what what drove him. I discovered he'd never read a book about how to plant a church. I discovered that he'd never read a paper on cross-cultural communication or how to reach Hindus or the dialogue between Buddhists and Christians. You know, he'd never actually read another book, only that one. And what he said was, I, I, I'm just trying to do what Jesus did. <laughs> Isn't that a challenge? And my smartness, because I've got a lot of books, she'll tell you. I've read it, swallowed it, thought about it, chucked it out, accepted it. But here's this guy making such a difference in this needy world, in his needy part of the world, simply because Jesus matters to him. And he is continuing what Jesus did. Which is why I I just wanted to read these verses. They've been important to me, probably for the last six, seven, eight years, regarding what we're supposed to do as church. I just want to really quickly suggest to you that there are some vital things for us in these verses here. First of all, would you notice that Jesus called these disciples to be with himself and they responded. If we are going to be church today that is relevant to the communities in which we are set, we need to be sure that God has called us, don't we? You know, the essence of our faith, the security that we get from being a Christian, it does not depend on how we're going to feel tomorrow morning. It does not depend on what's written in your bank statement when the statement comes, if you still get them. It depends on God's call on our lives and our response to him, doesn't it? By grace we are saved through faith. And 
the thing that I realized about these people in Sri Lanka and Korea when we've been out there and other places is that the people who achieve much seem to be absolutely solid in the fact that they belong to God. Solid in the fact that God has called them, that they've got a purpose in life. And nothing is going to put them off. That's how it seems to me for these disciples here. Jesus called them and they came. And I think we've just got to remember that. In all the challenges and the busyness of life, and I guess you are all doing many different jobs and different places in life, and that is fantastic. You are where God has put you. those of us who are the professionals, as it were, at this church sort of stuff, we are not the main deal. You are the main deal because you are out where the people are at. Yeah? Anything else is a lie and a distortion because God has called us. Second thing, Jesus called them. The first thing that he called them to was he called them to be with him. That's an interesting phrase. With him. Even though they were traveling with him and they were doing the ministry, he was sending them out to do this, that, and the other. The essence of it all is that they were with him. That has to do about discipleship, doesn't it? He... He taught them that it must have been wonderful to be with him. He sent them out to do stuff and they'd come back and he must have said, boys, how did it go today? Oh, we blew it today. And he said, yeah, I thought you might. (laughs) You know, that essence of of, of communication with him, of, of living with him. Do you know, that's how it's meant to be for you and me. That we speak with him. We enjoy his presence. It, it, it's about his presence. In John 14, it says that if you, if you receive your word to myself, then my Father and I will come and make our home with you. He lives in us, doesn't he? He's not just for us. He's in us. He's with us. It's not that he's, you know, Jesus... It's not saying that my father and I will come and we'll treat you as a guest house so we'll book in and out. But we'll come and make a home with you. He called us to be with him. And that's the truth this morning. We're with him. He is with us, isn't he? Listen, is this a privilege? Come on, is this a privilege? You see, we need to say it like it is because sometimes it's as if we act as if, well, we're not really sure if it's true. Even if I don't feel it's true this morning, it's still true. He is in us and he's with us and he's for us and he's through us because he called them to be with him. And we can say loads and loads about that. He called them, secondly to be with him. He called them to go on out and it says in here, deliver people from demonic power. So it meant that they were to be with him, but they were actually to go out into the world and actually make a difference. 
the phrase to make a difference seems to be on at least 50% of charities' flashlines at the moment. If you, if you have a look, everyone's about to make a difference. We use it as well. But the truth is, Christians are. The church is supposed to make a difference, isn't it? And to make a positive difference, could I say. You know, and, and there is... And, and, and I, I know we, we, we wrestle with it as well. The issue is, for me, it's not an issue. I don't know where you are these days and all the stuff. I believe we are called to make a supernatural difference and a natural difference. I know what the issues are. We have lost people too when we pray for them. But I still believe we are called to pray for the sick. And I haven't got all the answers. But I still believe we are called to pray for the sick. And we are called to set people free from oppression. Some of the stories that we heard in Sri Lanka for, for people who, for, for men usually, who had been delivered from alcoholism like that. That's what I'm looking for. Because I believe that's what he's called us to do. He's called us to preach good news, isn't he? Not put people down. He's called us to pick people up. That's why it's so really important. You work where you work. And you live where you live. And you do what you do. Because he's called you. He's called you to be with him. And he's called you to be out there making a difference in the community and in your place of work. Isn't that exciting? And then the last thing comes even comes a bit more challenging because he's called us to do it with other people. Because he lists the names of the twelve disciples. Church is about people. You can say hallelujah if you like. Hallelujah. Thank you very much. You were on your own in case you noticed. <laughs> But he called us to be church together. Now, my observation of church is that we are not always very comfortable with one another, are we? And you'll be glad to know the disciples had exactly the same issues. They used to argue about who was the greatest. Now, you know I'm better than Dave. <laughs> That's the wrong answer. <laughs> But I haven't been in a church yet where people are entirely comfortable with one another. And the, the, the disciples had issues. They, at remarkable times you find them arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. It's in Luke's gospel, straight after the Lord's Supper, the last, the last supper, and a dispute arose amongst us, amongst them as to who was the greatest. And you think, oh my God. Don't you? And there is a real issue that we need to come to terms with about the fact we are called to do this stuff. Be with him. Get up there and do some stuff and make a difference. But we are called to do it together. And we just need to rise to that challenge together. I think there are two, really quickly, just, just two things that we that we need to come to terms with. 
One of them is this, that other people matter. Disciples are a real struggle with this. When the children wanted to spend time with Jesus, they rebuked the children and said, no, no, Jesus is too busy for that. No, he's not. No, he's not. When the Samaritan village didn't want to accept Jesus, good old James and John had a wonderful idea. Let's call fire down on them. That'll teach them. Jesus had a different viewpoint. The place of women in society at the time, you know, Jesus had a different viewpoint. Because other people always matter. They complained because Jesus was spending time with sinners. He said, who I came for? And the Jesus, Jesus' disciples, and I don't know lots of you guys now. Lots of your faces. You all look so much younger than I remember you. (laughs) Sorry, Lord. (laughs) But you know, other people matter to the church. Don't they? They should. It is a real strange thing when we started talking to our church about we're here more importantly for the people who don't come yet than the people who are here. It doesn't mean we're not interested in building church and, and teaching and discipling. But it means that for us, for us, for us, it meant that we would look at what we do through the eyes of people who never normally come to church. So we would, as people would walk in, we would think, now what are they going to make of that? How are they going to find this service? Are they going to understand what we were about? Are they going to know that we love them? Are we going to be friendly with them? You understand what I mean, don't you? And I tell you, once you start going down that route, everything can change. Because we are not here just for ourselves, whether it's in Kens Road or or up there in Fulton. We are not, are we? We are there for others. Jesus was in Capernaum, and he was having a whale of a time. He was doing some really great stuff. And the people in Capernaum said, Jesus, stay with us. We like you amongst us. Things are happening when you're amongst us. We just like it this way. And actually, he could have, couldn't he? It would have been really comfortable, Jesus, to have based his ministry in Capernaum, where he was accepted. But he said, no. I have others to reach. And that was a crucial lesson of the disciples and we. I don't quite know how to put this. I know that I saw it in Sri Lanka. I don't actually know how to express it in words in Bristol. Something in there, in me, in us, needs to change so that what I'm about in this church stuff isn't just about me. It's about those others. And the trouble is, of course, lots of times the the others don't want to know. 
but we're going to press on and reach up. Am I making sense? Let me say just the last thing. I've already mentioned it once. We really need to beat this uncomfortableness with other people in the church. I'm working with a church in another, away from here, just trying to help them. It's a Baptist church and it's being destroyed by their inability to deal with unresolved issues between members of the church. It's really interesting that after, after Pentecost, when you know the church got off to a flying start, if you like, the first wave of attack that comes against the church from the devil is persecution from the outside. But the next two waves didn't come from the outside. They came from the inside. There's the Ananias and Sapphira stuff and all that about hypocrisy. And the second thing that happened was the Acts 6 stuff about the, the argument about the widows. And thank God the leaders of the church had the wisdom to, to, to know what to do. Because if, if, if those two things had not been handled properly, we may not be here today. So I think John Stott used to say the devil is a bit stupid, very repetitive. He still likes to have a go inside the church because he knows he can be quite successful in grounding the church. Yeah? So here's Jesus. This is it. Calls people to be with himself. He's called you and me. I know enough. I remember enough about loads of you to know you've responded to his call. But I'm here this morning. I just want to remind you that he's called you to be with him. And maybe you've lost the privilege of that this morning. But so I want to remind you, if, if, if you've put your life into his hands, if you've put yourself over to him, he's in you this morning. Celebrate it. Enjoy it. Know that he's called you for a purpose. It is. You're a world changer, a difference maker. That's what he wants for you and me. And other people always matter to him. So you try and work out what that means here. We're trying to work it out in Fulton. And it's taken us down a community path. It'll be different for you. It'll be original and unique for where you are. But it's a purpose and a plan. And it's about others. And the last thing is that he's called you to do it together. He's called us in our church to do it together. He's called us. He's called you here to do it together. There's a lovely verse in Acts 10.38, I think it says, Peter, reflecting on Jesus, says that Jesus, anointed by the Holy Spirit, went about doing good, healing the sick, and all those who were under the is it oppression of the devil, something like that. Wouldn't you want that said about your church? Well, if somebody moves away, you know, I say, you know that church of Cairns Road? They were anointed of God. They went about healing the sick. They went about helping others.
and God was with them. Isn't that what we want for our church? If we wanted anything else, we'd go and join the golf club. Or sit in one of the lounge bars or something like that. But it's not about that, is it? We are here to make a difference. And I count it a privilege to be a part of the local church. Don't you? Just to be finishing, maybe, maybe it's possible. I like to talk like this these days. I like to say, you know, people in the service, ima- just imagine there's, there's an imaginary line across there in front of you now, in front of where you're sitting right now. Over here is where I've been. Maybe I've been, a bit, I've been a bit forgetful about the privilege that church is and about my purpose. But I, I don't know if we're going to stand up to sing something in a minute. We're, but when you get up and you step forward or whatever, Maybe that's a stepping over of the line. That we are saying, Father, I'm forgetting where I've been. I'm remembering this morning you've called me to be with you. I'm remembering this morning you've called me to, you've reminded me that I've got a purpose about life. I'm here to make a difference. And actually, I swear before you again this morning with the others in this church that I'm going to do it with the other people who I'm worshipping with. Because church is your idea. Amen.